if we got a show for you. Lil Sean. Drop. Broccoli, celery, gotta be vegetal. Llama beans, collard greens, peachy king, vegetal. Cauliflower, sweet and sour, half an hour, vegetal. Vegetales, vegetales, it's time for vegetales. Throwback, Sunday school, best show, vegetables. Every episode so cool. Me, Learn about Kermit. God in the Bible, low key. <laughs> Gonzo. Kermit and Gonzo here for another episode of uh, Too Smart, Too Curious. Um, I don't know what we're doing Sesame. Yeah, well, yeah. Muppet, some, Gonzo's not on Sesame, but Kermit is on Sesame Street. What? Yeah, Kermit's on Sesame Street, dude. You think of Oscar? No, Kermit is on Sesame Street sometimes. There's a crossover? It's not a crossover. He's like a Sesame Street character. I don't I don't know. Unless this is like a mandala. Did Jim Henson do yes. Sesame Street? Yeah. What a genius. Simply a miracle. Miracle. Anyways, uh, we started this as a political podcast, um, and we didn't even post our political reactions to the midterms, so we sort of are failing at our our original goal, but we're making some adjustments. We're going to try and do some deeper dives, mostly um, for... Uh, editing purposes. It takes a long ass time to edit these. Uh, so we're going to try and figure out some topics that are not so time sensitive because we were finding that we would, um, you know, do an episode on something and within three days that would be an old story because the news cycle has started to move so fast. Um, so yeah, that, that's where we're at now. Um, Gonzo, any any perspectives on that? Thoughts? No. no. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Well, this week we have. Um, well, I, I can let our guest introduce himself since we don't know his his pseudonym yet. What's the What's the the one, uh, puppet that goes meet meet meet? Oh, um, Beaker. Beaker. Ah. <laughs> this will be Beaker. All right. <laughs> so we're we're joined by um, Beaker. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, today uh, for a discussion on veganism, um, oddly controversial topic I've found knowing a few vegans, vegetarians in my life. People have strong reactions to it. Sure. Um, so that's something I'd like to you know find out a little bit about. Um, Gonzo, how about you? Um, I know. I guess you know, same reaction. You get a lot of. Uh takes on veganism it's sort of been a punching bag for a lot of people over the past couple decades and you know it's becoming a little more mainstream in terms of you can actually go to restaurants and stores and you can get vegan products so it's not that you know that kind of stereotype of like crunchy commune you know livers who are just you know making their own mushroom jerky and eating fruit off trees and dumpster diving and all of that so um yeah even so it seems like people still have very strong visceral reactions yeah. to veganism as it becomes you know more accepted yeah in some ways there must be more vegans than there ever has been because i go to the grocery store and i see all this beyond meat stuff and a lot of vegan products that just weren't there before and at the same time i feel like when i when veganism comes up um you, yeah you get these People like get angry about it. Like there's an aggression behind the anti-veganism. I think um, I saw you know someone freak out at a Cracker Barrel because the Cracker Barrel 
offered as a as an option some type of vegan product. And it's like, I'm not eating here. It's like, no one's forcing you to eat, the, <laughs> eat that vegan option. You can get the other options. So like, it, what, is the, what is the issue here? And, and yeah, and we, we'll definitely cover that because I'm already having some even new thoughts than what I was having before. But anyways, um, well, to, to beaker. That, so, so, yeah, to that point too, um, I have noticed that there is, like you said, a visceral reaction um, when you are specifically defending the rights of animals, uh, granted, you know, animals and humans have differences, but if you were to, you often hear the reaction of, don't push, don't push your views on me, you know, when talking about, you know, veganism, but talk about any other, like, human rights, it's not the same case, right? If you're talking about, you know, trans rights, people... I don't know too many people who would say, don't push your rights on me and stuff like that. So, Although those people do exist. Um, what do you mean? The anti-trans people certainly that's, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's very true. <laughs> um, yeah, so, well, I guess, um, you know, to for full transparency, I guess I am not a vegan, but it is an idea that, you know, Beaker, you and I have talked about often. Yeah. Um, I, I would say I'm... I'm veg curious. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sort of interested in maybe dabbling and trying some veganism, but um, personally, like the the effort piece has been the biggest resistance for me. Like it seems like kind of a pain. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to hear your story of how you became a vegan, or if you've always been a vegan, or sort of how you became um, how, how, your start in veganism or your story of veganism. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. You know, I grew up eating meat and dairy. Oh, by the way, yeah, the definition of veganism, you know, is abstaining or not participating in anything that reasonably comes from an animal. And that's usually when dietary comes to veganism is not eating meat and not eating dairy. Um, and then eggs fall under it. And for some people, honey falls under it. Um, <clears throat> so it's a... Uh, a lot of times it's an ethical thing, but a lot of people also do it for dietary reasons and planetary reasons. It reduces the uh, rapid climate change as well. Have you always been a vegan? Uh, How did you make the change? Uh, yeah, so I mean I grew up for maybe close to 30 years eating meat and dairy. It's fine. I used to pound eggs like... Uh, at my peak, it was more than a carton a day. It was madness. <laughs> it's a lot. Of <laughs> it's a lot of eggs, yeah. Um, but um, they're not that good for you. Uh, so then, yeah, then I switched to vegetarianism. Um, I held that for a while. It was hard to sometimes hard to do it, you know, when I traveled. And then I moved to New York. And we walked through this, through a vegan protest, and they showed these videos of the way they treated the animals and all the torture and killing of them. And from that day forward, I was like, I gotta eat vegan. I think it's a moral imperative or obligation. So I have yet to, I mean, I eat meat or dairy by accident, but I've yet to consciously consume it. So the the videos are what convinced you, like seeing yeah. the images. Yeah, I think that was, and that's uh, that's says a lot to how 
to convince other people. Um, I know people, will, some of the vegan protesters will set up, I think it's like a cube of uh, suffering or cube of uh, anonymous or something. So they just set up somewhere in a park and they just have the videos running. And I think that's a pretty good strategy. Um, but yeah, it's been like four or five years, I think. That's pretty intense. It's yeah. a good run. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm proud of it. It's not, like people said, it's not always easy. Uh, restaurants are sometimes hard, but how is the how is the experience <clears throat> transitioning? So you originally started a vegetarian. So yeah. How did that start? Um, I think I I to be honest, I not the best memory, but I think just caring about the animals and uh, you know, it's a one to one thing. Or you know, the thing is like. People say, you know, I'm an animal lover, but at the same time, they'll be eating a hamburger at the same time. So it's, it's the question that, you know, your boy, or my boy, and you got to talk to, or listen to Ed Winters, or Earthling Ed. Mm -hmm. He says the biggest question, or one of the kind of um, things to think about is, what has more value, an animal's life, or the kind of 20 seconds of um, taste perception that you experience when eating it. I mean, when put that way, it does. There is there is a shame that washes yeah. over you. I feel <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. Nobody wants to be told you're doing something bad, you know. And then, again, like I think people who eat meat or dairy don't aren't bad people. Um, and the industries go out of their way to make sure you don't think. It's a bad action. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but it's pretty bad. I think people are very much far removed from understanding yeah, yeah. what goes into getting meat to their supermarkets, to, yeah. to their plates. They, I mean, that's probably the, why there's that level of effectiveness with that mm -hmm. cube of suffering you, you talked yeah, about. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but just people don't know what's happening behind the scenes, and that's the price those animals pay for them to get convenient, cheap meat yep. for themselves. Uh -huh. And it inconveniences them to think about that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so so why don't we dip a little bit into the, the philosophical aspect of veganism. Sure. Um, you know, now that we have a little perspective on your experience, and it sounds like the choice for you was a moral one, um, but from the little that I've read and the little I've talked to you about it, it sounds like there's um, actually more philosophy around veganism than, than I really realized. Mm -hmm. um, I sort of thought it was a straightforward one-to-one. -one. Okay, these people you know care about animals more than non-vegans do, and that was sort of it. And I think you can boil it down to that, but <clears throat> I think there are some philosophical arguments for veganism. Do you have um, thoughts on any of those? Sure. Let's find it. <clears throat> so the strongest argument for veganism that I found is one, we shouldn't be cruel to animals, i.e. we shouldn't harm animals unnecessarily, which is like the key uh, word. Two, the consumption of animal products harms animals. And then three, the consumption of animal products is unnecessary. So that's where the big, I think, people get hung up with it, right? People say... 
eating, uh, you know, I have to eat meat to get protein. I have to eat dairy. Part of, you know, a healthy diet or how do I how I get big and strong, but that's not the case. Um, like, the science doesn't support that? Yes. So, <laughs> for the healthy argument, um, it's just not true. The American Dietetic Association, the largest body of nutritional professionals in the U.S., formed of over 100,000 certified practitioners, has categorically stated that a vegan diet is healthy, safe, and nutritiously suitable for humans in all stages of life, which includes pregnancy, lactation, and infancy. It's also supported by the British Dietetic Association and the NHS, or National Health Service, in England. And you want to keep going? Well, no, it sounds like this is based off an argument that you get often. Um, yeah. Or, or a rebuttal that you get often, which is that, you know, it is natural and healthy to eat meat. You would say that's not the case. Uh, um, no, I think, um, essentially the overarching argument that I want to put forth is it's, even if it was the most healthiest thing, even if it was good for you, which, you know, there's, I'll go into the studies, uh, if you want, but it's not necessary, right? We have alternatives, we have vegetables, fruits, um, peanuts whatever you know even even these like they're not they're not the healthiest but the alternative meats which are very salty or saturated fat and stuff but um that's like the beyond meat products, the beyond right? stuff yeah. yeah the fake sausages the fake ground beef and stuff like that and the the alternative milks right the almonds the oh, rice and stuff yeah oh, that can you swear on here or not yeah okay. <laughs> You know, I, I imagine, at least in my head, another argument that you get often is um, sort of an evolutionary argument. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's natural, evolutionary, you know, mm-hmm. the reason, um, and I'm not necessarily saying these are, are good arguments, but I, I, I'm guessing they're ones that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, humans have always eaten meat, like, this is just the way things are. People probably bring up the food chain. Mm-hmm. Um you know, what, what are your perspectives and, and veganism in general's perspectives on those? Sure. Um, well, so for the evolutionary one, right, um, if you want to justify eating meat through evolution, it, I would say is a, one of the weaker one, weaker arguments, but um, because then you could justify things that cavemen did or the torturing in medieval times. You could say, Oh, you know, cavemen, they would murder or rape. So you could use that same argument to justify those horrible things as well, you know? Totally. This is why I hate most evolutionary arguments for anything. But they're, like, ingrained in the psyche of people, I find. Like, I feel like it comes up all the time. It's like, well, it's evolutionary. And it's like, yeah, but evolutionary means you, at some point, evolve past the behavior once you understand that it is not either sustainable practical uh if it's cruel or harmful mm-hmm. right so you know i think actually an evolutionary perspective could could actually support veganism mm-hmm. um, yeah they um so back in the day they mostly you know the cavemen or the scavenger hunters you know gatherers they would eat mostly um berries and nuts and foraging stuff they would rarely have meat 
And actually, most of the time, it was that the humans were weaker compared to the other larger animals and mammals. And what would happen was the other mammals and animals that were big were able to get the kill, and humans would come along, come along and get specifically the bones. They would take, they would suck the marrow out of the bones. Um, hmm. So it's like that's not the best defense. What about something like that? Like, would that be ethical under vegan? I mean, they're probably under living under different conditions. Yeah. So, just... I mean, I mean, when we talk about evolution, right? We can probably say at this point that we're in the what Anthropocene, Anthropocene, whatever human period of mm-hmm. development in the on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have the technology to do so many things that. Like Mike said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> said, yeah, meatless um, Mike, I can be called too. Um, you know, we have options, so you you yeah. no longer have the excuse of yes. necessity. necessity and, yeah. I mean, I'm sure some of them, yeah, did eat meat, but it was difficult. It was yeah. very labor intensive. I mean, humans were kind of lazy. We kind of just tracked and followed animals until they died. They also killed a lot of megafauna in. Australia, North America. They weren't like stewards of the land. They're just like meat. And then they killed it and ate it. And then eventually a lot of these species got wiped out. Yeah. And they didn't understand how they like they were just getting greedy in that sense. They thought you know, yeah. these things would be around for a while. So it's not a you know, just a, a new phenomenon to you know hit humankind to eliminate, you know, food sources and all of that. There was never a cohesive mm-hmm. idea of you know, preserving food systems. No, totally. I guess I was just not Other necessarily way. curious about like, you know, whether you know, the caveman's perspective on veganism or, or past humans' perspective, but like, you know, philosophically, if an animal was to die, like, mm-hmm. of natural causes, is that like a, I guess that like, is that mm-hmm. an appropriate use of the animal then to eat like could you eat the meat then yeah i mean this might be i mean i can only speak for myself i'm not sure the other vegan community but like if you find an animal that fell off a cliff and just like a carcass or i don't i don't see any harm in eating it uh but what my because again it's about the cruelty it's about the cruelty (laughs) it's about the suffering and i hear the you know the defense oh but it's it's natural to kill it's a food chain there is nothing natural about the current state of the big farming industries, the big dairy industry. That is, um, that is like a any anywhere far away from the from nature. There is no nothing natural about the way that these chickens and cows are raised and um, cultivated. I guess I completely agree with that. It's not like a, what having a cow or two and protecting it from. Outside elements and mm-hmm. predators versus yeah. crowding them into, you know, just crammed together. They're ridden with disease. Yeah, yeah. Filled with antibiotics. They're eating foods that they're not evolved to eat, mm-hmm. like, like corn and soy. Yeah. It's just not a good mix. Yeah, and, and I think focusing specifically on the cruelty is a, is is fascinating to me because it's it's incredible how our our society and culture is able to dissociate suffering from consumption, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that exists in, in many realms, but as, like 
especially like the idea of the amount of suffering that went in to just to fill up one grocery store, mm-hmm. even a small grocery store, right? Like a lot of animals were, were killed and they were probably most likely raised in some pretty horrible conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what are some examples that you've heard of about? True. Um, or what are some examples you've heard of in terms of like the mm-hmm. kind of um, mass production, mass produced, sure. like what kind of things? Would you like to hear cows, chickens, sheep? Which one? I haven't heard sheep actually. <laughs> yeah, sheep? let's go All right. some sheep. So I'd like to hear the chickens because I eat a lot of chicken. Chicken? But let's do sheep first. All right, so sheep. Um, I gotta find my spot. So. So you think like you know what's wrong with cotton, right? Is, uh, or is cotton? No, no. Sorry, what's wrong with wool? Um, you know, sheep have these wool. You know, what are they called? Wool fleeces. Yeah. Or, uh, why can't we just shave them off? But um, they wouldn't be able to come off uh, naturally, right? It would probably kill the animal. That's actually wasn't the case. We've um, systematically bred their wool uh, from falling off. It used to fall off naturally, but now the sheep just retain their wool. And I've seen like these videos of sheep with a hundred pound wool on, and it's pretty crazy. But what happens is um, they breed these sheep with, I think like wrinkles in their skin. So the wool uh, doesn't fall off. And then what happens is they get feces and urine stuck in the, the creases. The creases, yeah, the wrinkles, um, which then often leads to something called uh, fly strike, where the flies will lay their eggs in the urine and feces-soaked wrinkles. Um, and then the old, one of the remedies, or like the most common remedy, is for the farmers to cut the sides of the lambs, um, like open and remove all that gunk, I believe. Uh, so it's super painful procedure. Dangerous for the animal. It sounds like, um, according to that, this is another practice that is like not natural. It's been like genetic. The, the, the sheep have been systematically and genetically modified over many generations. Mm-hmm. Like it's like uh, breeding dogs that can't breathe correctly and can't <laughs> have, give, be, give natural birth. <laughs> we do that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I knew about the. The like escaped sheep that will mm-hmm. just grow all that wool mm-hmm. out, and they, mm-hmm. there's no way to naturally get it off, and they get infections and what like yeah like they're just like you see the pictures they're just fully matted mm-hmm. like so they literally need a human to survive, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. That's yeah. not how they <laughs> evolved originally. And it's interesting you bring up dogs because I I do think there is always something interesting about the the human's affinity for dogs Mm -hmm. and like they wouldn't really most people i don't think at least dog people wouldn't be tolerant of that sort of suffering Mm -hmm. for a dog you know yeah they go so far to put little boots on their you know yeah there's definitely like a a cultural uh i guess look into how people see animals Mm -hmm. or certain animals as serving a cultural niche Mm -hmm. or something like that You'll see cats be given different 
deference in some societies, dogs in another. Some places don't like dogs at all. Dogs are abused. They're kicked. They're mm-hmm. considered dog dirty. fighting. Yeah, yeah that yeah. too. Cockfighting with roosters. Like, there's so many different, I guess, uh, flavors of, uh, I guess, stacking <laughs> animals on yeah. human humans. In, you know. Levels of importance, or at least what they're yeah. ascribing yeah. to them. I think. I mean, I think that again supports sort of. Well, one negates like evolutionary arguments, and then also kind of negates the like it's the natural way argument because mm-hmm. like those affinities are cultural, mm-hmm. which is man-made. Well, but also, why did they develop? Why do people develop affinity to dogs? Because dogs help protect people on their property, or if they, they were, were if they were um, animal husbandry mm-hmm. persons, they would protect flocks. Maybe cats were good because maybe if there were rats around, I don't know. They were useful, but arguably less useful. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not protecting wool. my flock anymore. So. <laughs> you know, like, a sheep producing wool probably kept more people, you know, warm and safe. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, okay, so let's hear some of the other ones. Uh, well, just I want to piggyback yeah, on please. that. Pun intended. Um... <laughs> With the, I think it's, I I imagine it's hard for meat defense to justify kind of the arbitrariness between, say, the dog value versus the pig value, right? People would be horrified if there's a story like Michael Vick doing, you know, dog fighting. That's horrible. Imagine Michael Vick ate the dogs. Would that be worse? Like, I feel like people would be more horrified of Michael Vick eating the dogs rather than fighting them. Yeah. So, so essentially, it's just you can you could argue it's the same or similar thing. Where okay, I justify dog fighting because I get a pleasure from watching it. It's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. That's not allowed in our current climate, right? But if you say I get enjoyment from a nice steak, although the you know cow has to suffer, that's been culturally accepted, and it's just based on these arbitrary boundaries between animal to animal right mm-hmm. a pig is smarter than a dog a pig is as smart as a three-year-old human but we don't give it anywhere the same kind of rights or treatment did you see did you see Ocha? i did yeah, yeah. that uh what was it a big elephant thing or, or... i thought it was a pig that's hey, why what, that's what why it? i brought it up oh uh, it is yeah i think it, they, it could be i'm not I don't, it's been a while but... Ocha. What is a little girl with a pet? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like it was like a piglet or something or something. But wasn't it big? It was. It became big. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie. Okay, cool. It's a cool. Yeah, it's that's a good watch. Um. All right. Let me. Can I? Can I uh, speak to the piglet one? That one's pretty bad. Yeah. Go for it. <clears throat> okay, so this is a little bit long. Uh, before sorry, before I do that, can I speak to the healthiness of? I didn't get to say that. The healthiness of meat. So, um, there's extensive and conclusive research and evidence that links both our con- that links our consumption of animal products to some of our leading diseases and illnesses, including heart disease, certain forms of cancer, type two diabetes and strokes. In the scientific community, there's no dispute around the nutritional, uh, nutritionally striving on a vegan diet. So essentially, that just reinforces the point that eating meat and dairy is not necessary. So 
my hopes was that we don't have to do it, right? Um, that's just the overall thing. But uh, you want to hear pigs? Yeah, please. Uh, essentially, pigs get their teeth pulled out and their tails cut off to prevent cannibalism due to the confinement and the frustration and boredom of all these pigs. The sows, am I saying that? Sows? Yeah. Sows or mother pigs are impregnated uh, either by force, um, uh, either by force into a pen with a bull or through uh, forced artificial insemination. Um, then they're put in these things called gestation gestation crates which is a standard practice in the U.S., China, Canada, and the U.E. Um, and it's a tiny metal cage that is roughly the size of the pregnant mother pig. Uh, they can't move, they can't turn around. They can only lie down or stand up. And they spend their entire pregnancy in these cages around 16 weeks. They stand on concrete flooring and have slated back, which they can defecate and urina, urinate out. Uh, these cages are, were, the pigs in the cages were demonstrated, um, demonstrated having extreme levels of frustration and stress. And then they spend, yeah, 16 weeks in the cages, biting the bars, hoping they get free, but they never do. Um, then they're moved to furrowing crates. So it's basically the same thing as gestation crates. Uh, but there's an opening on the side, and this is where the piglets come to suckle for uh, milk. So they're in these cages for like five more weeks. And the National Pig Association has been working to ensure that the ban on the farrowing crates is not implemented. So it's kind of sad. All these like uh, organizations that were set up to protect, protect the animals are pretty corrupt and more about you know making things more profitable um well i believe that regulatory yeah. <laughs> capture yeah um so they say they claim the farrowing pig uh, crates are used to stop the mother from crushing its piglets by moving around but the research shown there's no difference between piglet mortality between the farrowing crates and no crate at all in reality, the farrowing crates allow farmers to house more pigs in less space and be more cost-efficient. Uh, then, the, then the sows are re-impregnated again within a couple weeks, and the same process starts over. Um, and they do this impregnation and incarceration routine over and over for about three to five years. And eventually the sows are taken to a slaughterhouse for cheap pork products. Um, you hear about piglets? Okay. All right. I just want to get through this because this one's is it makes me upset. Um, so piglets are often killed because they're too small or they're not growing fast enough. Thumping is the most common human way of killing piglets. Thumping is when they grab the piglets by the two hind legs and slam the head on the ground or wall over and over again until you smash the skull in the in the brain. And then one, they, they recorded in one UK farm that it was recorded that they were even thumping the piglets on the bars that their mothers were caged in. Um, another farm was uh, filmed using hammers to smash the skulls of the piglets. And this is all legal and supported by the National Pig Association. They were even quoted as saying an effective and appropriate way of humanely killing a piglet. Um... And the common way that the actual the adult pigs, I, I don't know if they're adults, but the pigs are killed 
the commonest the common way is their throats are slashed, drowned in boiling water, shot in the head with a rifle or bolt stunner, and oftentimes a gas chamber. I think that's number one, the gas chamber, which is really horrible. They're like it's really bad. Um, just to lighten the mood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite visceral hearing that. And, you know, I can't help but think that that has something to do with the visceral reactions people have to veganism. Um, because people, I think, probably have some sense. Um, you know, I am... I'm a therapist by trade, so I mm-hmm. sometimes have to consider the unconscious. And I think probably some people, you know, people unconsciously, you know, have some sense that, you know, how we get this meat at the grocery store is probably fucked up in some way. Yeah. Um, and people really do not want to reckon with that. Yeah. Um, is, yeah. If they do, the thing is, if you consciously know you know, how your food supply is made, you can either, you have two options. You either deny and turn a blind eye and keep doing what you do, or you accept the contradiction that you're an animal lover, but you also pay for the, you know, death and suffering of the food that you get. So it's not a, it's it's a lose-lose, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Personally, I think I've accepted that contradiction. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not really quite sure what particularly holds me back. I mean, I hear those examples and I'm like, that's horrible. I don't want to participate in this. And at the same time, like, like well, well, that's what... It's not... I don't even know well, if it's like... Easy fix. You just don't buy it anymore. I know, but it's... <sighs> it's and that's still, what it comes down to. It does, but I feel like there's more to it. I really do. I, 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 I it is just an effort thing. I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like more people are conscious about other things they're buying in the grocery store than animal products. Do I really want this type of olive oil? Let me research this. Let me make sure it's not, you know, you, you know, made in Sicily and then mixed with like stuff from Tunisia, but. You know, you know, like that's a just good point. like ninety nine point whatever nine percent of the time that meat is from like what five or four meat producers in the U.S. with probably terrible records, and is just kind of magically abdicating your oh, resourcefulness and yeah uh, choice to look a little further into whether or not you want to or. Do not want to uh, partake in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. There is part of just liking meat. It feels like a large lifestyle change, and it probably isn't as large as 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 it is in my head. But I also, I don't know. I I live in a world where I often find myself accepting myself and others included that like people are not really that rational. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. I don't think it's as easy to be like, well, just make the rational decision. It's like plenty of people make irrational. I mean, most people make 50 irrational decisions every day, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not totally there yet, but it's not because the arguments aren't convincing. It's just, I, I don't yet feel moved to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't, you know, I can't speak to what, what that is about. What, what, let me ask you then, 
I don't want to attack you, but I do kind of. <laughs> what would be the scenario where you would switch to vegan? Like, what would what would the chickens have to endure? What would the supermarket accessibility or restaurant be conditions where you would want to do vegan? I don't have a scenario in my head. Like, I don't have I don't have a vision for that. Mm-hmm. Like, speaking one hundred percent honestly. Like, my my imagination is not, uh, that's, that question isn't inspiring anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, I, you know, I don't necessarily know what to make of that, but, like, I, I do know, and in, in so in doing therapy and working people, with people to get them to change i know the things that that don't work and like you often can't out logic people yeah. or out rationalize people yeah yeah um, is it because they're irrational or they're rationalizing it in some way where you can't you know outdo whatever pretzels they're making in their head i mean if you could out rationalize people like like societally culturally things would be really different we would do almost everything differently you know um, so it's not a matter of convincing or thinking that they're, they're good quality arguments. It's something that holds me back. I don't know. Maybe it's not wanting to be part of the vegan group. Maybe it's, you know, uh, uh, overestimating the amount of effort that it will take to become vegan. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe it has something to do with social stigma around veganism. I don't really know. Hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying. I mean, I'm trying to be honest about. No, no. I, I honestly appreciate your honesty. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what is often frustrating about having a vegan uh, conversation or discussion or debate, because it doesn't matter what stats are presented. It feels like people just want to eat meat, and there's no getting around it. You know. So I think that's maybe. To tie it back, I think that's where the cube of suffering or whatever they call it um, is very powerful because people see what is actually happening. Mm, yeah. Right now, it's just imagination. You think, oh, okay, let me think about the piglets getting hit on the ground. But when you see it, it's a different story, right? Yeah. And I think what we eat... And food and meals are such um, a big part of our culture, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying it, it has to be me, mm-hmm. but I think that may have something to do with people's resistance mm-hmm. and not wanting to change the way they eat. I mean, there are people who are, you know, lactose <laughs> intolerant and it causes them horrible pain, mm-hmm. but they will still sometimes eat ice cream, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Which is not necessarily a rational choice yeah. to cause yourself pain in that way. But, like, food is, is like, such a, a shared cultural thing. And the thought of changing the way you eat food, I think, is scary for people. Yeah, um, makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I'm willing to 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 try this experience mm-hmm. um, of yours um, out of curiosity um, around like the with the cube of suffering or whatever it mm-hmm. is. I'm willing to ch- try it, 
um, and see, you know, how how that impacts me. Because, yeah, I do think there is, I think the part of me that's resistant um, is, uh, is resistant to wanting to make a lifestyle ch- change in an area that is so, um, such a big part of our culture and everyday life. And I do think I'm holding on to there must be some ethical way to, <laughs> to, to, to get it. One <laughs> like, ethical I loophole, right? Yeah. I do not think I've given up hope on that. Yeah. Um, you find a Kermit here, you know, on this highway looking for a roadkill. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, for me, where it comes down to is like the mass farming thing really bothers me. Mm-hmm. And like that would kind of be my preference is to like if we could do away with that mm-hmm. like as like a sort of harm reduction model that feels really good like eating way less meat feels good mm-hmm. um you know and and creating sustainably sourced meat mm-hmm. so like i don't know i don't mean to take over here no no I, no i take your point about the cultural uh i guess weight of meat i mean i think it's important to think about you know how recent this change has been in terms of um access to cheap easy you know animal products this is that was not the case for most of human history Mm -hmm. and most meals people were eating if they weren't vegan, they were generally vegetarian or they didn't have that much animal product in it. And yeah. so this argument that, hey, I guess to strike at the, you know, people who say we need meat to survive. I mean, most humans didn't eat that much meat throughout their lives and they generally survived. Um, but it shows how fast culture can change. And totally. I mean, is it is it really that? much worse to see a change you know for the better in terms of you know reducing suffering probably you know increasing uh the well-being and health of not just animals but humans as well i mean it, it seems like a win-win situation just mm-hmm. to cut down if not try to eliminate wholesale suffering like if people actually try to stick to whatever the the vision is of local, you know, grass-fed, um, pasture-raised beef or uh, whatever um, product. People probably would not be eating much meat at all, if any, mm-hmm. because it's actually very difficult to have animals support. I mean, this amount of people living in a more or less natural environment, there'd just be scarcity issues, which is mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, tough luck. <laughs> less animals for you to kill. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with all that. And it is interesting to think, like, probably even 50, 60, you know, 100 years ago, people were probably eating far, far less meat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is the most meat civilization has ever consumed. Yeah. And and that's why I'm actually wondering about those, the health statistics as well. Like, no, no, just because, you know, we know what we're putting into livestock feed. Mm -hmm. Does that translate into bad Oh, like they you won't. know, you know, health uh, outcomes for people because I know, at least for me, I'm wondering now if this is propaganda from you know small ag, like the 
you know, the Walden farms of the world or whatever. <laughs> Walden meats. Yeah, like, like, do they actually have more amino acids than omega threes? Because they're under less stress and they're eating grass. Maybe I don't know. Um, but so yeah, that. So take chickens for example, right? Mm-hmm. Hump them full of so many hormones they can't even stand on their yeah their legs, legs anymore. Yeah, they fall down and they're confined to living in their feces with broken legs. But um, <clears throat> to put it in perspective, right? Uh, if you were to pump the same amount of hormones into a human child, a three-year-old human would weigh four hundred pounds. Incredible. So that's pretty crazy. That but, uh, can't be good for you either. Yeah, and then they, that, <laughs> no, that gets right into your uh, digestive yeah. system. But also, um, going back to the family farm, right? It's a it's a nice thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you: what? How many family farms or non industry or non factory farm chickens do you think there are? Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, it'd be very hard for, like, if we, if all these people who want to go to these small family farms Mm -hmm. to support their meat and dairy diet, it would be impossible. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant by, you know, there would be scarcity. Do you know how many there are? And people that would just have to deal. Yes. So, if you take any chicken, it's said that 99.9% of chickens are factory farmed. So... If you can find point oh one percent or point one yeah point oh point point one percent of chickens are not factory. And I would imagine these companies, you know, you know, present this option to consumers mm-hmm. like, well, if you don't like it, go elsewhere. But I'm sure they spend billions or millions of dollars lobbying mm-hmm. to prevent the smaller farms from operating. Uh, whatever, what is it like? Upping the amount of money it takes to be certified, like organic and everything mm-hmm. down the line, they want to make it as prohibitive as possible to mm-hmm. compete against them. So they're probably taking full advantage of their position mm-hmm. and making it almost impossible for anyone who, I guess, still wants to eat ethically, if that is possible. To do so, yeah. all that cage for meat, rather all that cage free chickens and stuff. Yeah, that's no. all malarkey. It's it's just like the like, just like when you look at the actual definitions, it's like what like there's like foot, uh, yeah, half a cage. foot of like uh, sunlight coming through. That's like no, yeah. most of those chickens aren't going to see or something, and like it's just a bunch of legalese that yeah. is given to the consumer and taken at you know. Uh, Face value, thinking mm-hmm. that oh, oh, this is good. Like it's like when you think of like fam- family farms, you think of like a big red barn, and you know, just you know, just a good old you know old farmer in the Midwest, you know, taking care of his cows. Mm-hmm. But it's a very different uh, reality. And, and the people who make who make the definitions for cage free and all those things are the same people who are producing the chickens it's pretty crazy um so they'll the people who are supposed to protect the rights of the animals are the same people who run the farms and it's just a pretty corrupt system yeah this is kind of clarifying some of my resistance as well because i do think that there is like 
part of my resistance is like a hopelessness and a cynicism. Mm -hmm. Like as much as I would like to change these things, like it is pretty demoralizing Mm -hmm. to like think about and talk about. And I think there is some resistance in me in wanting to take that on Mm -hmm. because it feels like, okay, well, I could change what I'm doing, but like it's not really going to change much because we have these huge systems Mm -hmm. and profit centers. So I might as well enjoy my meat and not Mm -hmm. think about this. And I think that's part of it too. Not making excuses for that, but I do think that that is part of the resistance. And I feel that way across the board in a lot of politics lately where Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck it, who cares? Like, like, no ethical consumption under all of this? Like, well, you can't... It just it feels like there's so many things that we can't do shit about that it's just like, then, like, why am I going to invest, like, my time and energy, like, trying to mm-hmm. do something about it? Well, I mean, it's not even trying in a sense. You're just making a different choice. Yeah. And, and, I mean, downstream, yeah, I still have to do some stuff, stuff differently, but I think when you frame it as just, you know, being conscious of the choice you're making, it becomes a little bit easier. Just breaking down mm-hmm. into, into parts. If this, that, so why not this? Yeah. Sure, I might have to learn how to bake beans and. Yeah, I mean, again, know, to be, be cynical, I think a lot of people like to think like, and we'll use the, um, even though I hate Hitler comparisons, I think a lot of people like to think that they would have, you know, stood up in Nazi Germany and, like, you know, been part of the resistance. And, you know, I think we all hope we would have been that. But the reality is probably a shit ton of people wouldn't, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, people just go with the flow even though they know immoral things are happening. I mean, we do it in this country every day with a million fucking things, you know? like Is this cultural hegemony? This, yes, this (laughs) is Gramsci cultural hegemony, exactly. It always comes back to Gramsci. Or Foucault. Those are my two people. But, but they didn't really offer too many solutions to things. They offered analysis. So I appreciate that veganism is trying to offer a solution. And and I guess that brings me to like where I think we can start to close things out is like what are your techniques for evangelizing, I guess? Like evangelizing. Like Bringing people into veganism and the community, like, what are your techniques? What do you find works? Mm-hmm. What do you find is appropriate and not? Like, do you get burnt out on it? Sure. Um, well, can I, to rewind back, can I, do you mind if I... Yeah, yeah, respond to whatever to you want. Yeah. So, um, it, it, I do feel that same frustration and helplessness, right? If I say I go to a voting poll and I vote for the person... And they don't win. It's like, why did I even vote? But when you get an order of buffalo wings, how many how many wings are average order? Yeah, like six to twelve. Six to twelve. So that means that at least uh, three to six chickens had to be killed for you to get those wings, right? Um, and where we live in uh, a capitalist society, where what the consumer wants is what is supplied it's supply and demand so if you don't i used to go to halfway cafe and get double order of buffalo wings uh and i imagine that they increased their order of buffalo wings based on what i did right if i didn't order them they would they would order less wings so 
I do feel like we have the power to influence what is the the industry, the the meat and dairy industry are only there because we keep buying meat and and dairy. If we stop, then they would stop. Uh, it's just pretty. It's as simple as that. When the powers that be for like political stuff, that is more out of our control. You know. I thought you explained it right. Yeah. No. I. I I get that. I I also feel like, you know, the we thing, like the collective change, like mm-hmm. I would actually hop on the movement if there was a significant movement that I thought would change and reshape how we eat and how we get food. It just doesn't feel like... Well, there's only one way to get that movement going. It's got to join. And then someone who yeah. just said what you just said will hop on as well, possibly. I'm telling you, I'm too cynical. <laughs> I don't believe it, dude. I don't. Like, and, and, and I'll consider it. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not shutting anyone down. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that is a, a, a large part of, of, I think what I reckon with is just like, with lots of things, like whether it be fucking recycling or whatever it is, like, it's just like, why well, this doesn't fucking matter. It's, it's very nihilistic, but like, it, it doesn't feel like the individual can make that much of a difference. And it doesn't feel like they're is an or like really truly organized collective movements that have enough power to actually make the change that <coughs> is necessary. And I think I'd like to see the change, you know, not just participate. I mean, well, you are right. I mean, you see more restaurants offering, mm-hmm. you know, vegan <laughs> options. You yeah. see re- vegan restaurants popping up, but I mean, there is a demand, and that will keep growing as time goes on. That's true, and it will Hopefully. compete with. You know, animal products. Not sure. So, mm. and I, I agree with Beaker here that, mm. you know, you would like to think that maybe it, if, if it's just you or maybe a few other people, you know, order something or don't order something that uh, the restaurants will be price sensitive enough to, mm-hmm. you know, make changes on their behalf. And that would shift possibly, you know, the choices that people make in the future. But again, I don't feel like the gratification of making the switch in my mind, maybe it is, but in my mind, feels worth making the change at this moment. Um, is it possible to have the in- intellectual kind of rationalization where if you don't eat that order of wings, then it's quite possible that three to six chickens were saved? I don't believe that to be true. But that's that is what is happening, right? The the less meat and dairy that we order, the, the chicken, yeah, maybe I don't know. I if enough people stopped ordering those buffaloes, uh, boneless buffalo wings at Halfway Cafe, they would eventually take it off the menu. That's pretty one to one, um, cause and effect, right? Okay, I think I, I understand what Kermit's saying. For instance, I was in Armenia and I, my host family took me out to a restaurant for Easter. It was a fish farm. And they chose the fish. They thumped the fish. Mm-hmm. The fish is now dead. You don't think there's a direct a change with you it's not ordering see. something. Yeah. But for, I guess it wasn't his way, host father who chose it. If he didn't say fish, that fish right there would have still been alive. You don't think there's going to be a direct change because of your choices. It, it's different than that example. That's why yeah. I'm trying to 
I haven't, I haven't, my, yeah, it doesn't feel like I, that, that, that one to one ratio doesn't connect with me because in my mind, the chicken's already dead and it's already there. And whether or not if I go to that restaurant that night, like that amount of chickens are dead. Like I get that you're going to be a very small part of the movement. And like I said, like if it seemed like this is the direction society was heading, like I don't think I'd have that much resistance. Like I wouldn't be protesting against it and be like, fuck that. Let's not do this. But like, like I kind of just believe that like, the the difference that the individual makes mm-hmm. is not enough mm-hmm. for me. It, it doesn't create enough gratification for me to make the change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, the gratification is is I guess that you you make a good point because that is a big that is where what we're talking about the disconnect between how it's made and then what you do as an individual. But I want to put forth maybe like a thought experiment. Take a day, a nice Sunday, you go either go fly fishing or you don't, right? Whatever you catch is dead and killed and suffers from the hook that goes in its mouth. And then it kind of, it either suffocates in the air or, you know, flops around in the, in the, in the bucket or whatever. Versus you just don't do that and you spare the lives of however many fish that you caught. That's a pretty one-to-one comparison, right? Yeah, but again, I think this goes back to the point of, like, you can beat someone over the head with rationalizing, mm-hmm. and and you can you can try and use mechanisms of shaming people yeah. into changing their behavior. Yeah. And, you know, essentially, I think a lot of what veganism does is, like, tells people, like, what you're doing now is bad. Don't be bad. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and humans don't change... When that's the case, um, is this therapy coming in? Well, they, they, in my experience, they don't change when that is the mechanism of change, unless there is, you know, like, well, they may make a change, but they will not be happy with the change. Like, you need to get people to buy in and separate it from making them feel bad about their choice. If that makes sense. Mm. How do you do that? That's what I don't know. But Mm. I think that's sort of the net. Well, I guess in therapy, um, like you actually help people sort of understand, you know, how this problem has come to be, how it has shaped you. And then you sort of open up the space around like, the choices they have and like whether they, they, they want to make these changes or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I will disagree with if you actually see what happens, I believe that people in general will have a different experience when eating. So what came to my I mind? I agree with that. That's why I said I would try the thing. I would try the box. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so what came to my mind is there's a, I'm going to mention it again, but there's a movie called Dominion on YouTube for free, so you look it up anytime. If you watch the entire thing and then um, eat a cheeseburger right after, I would imagine you have a different experience of eating that cheeseburger than 
if you can even, if you will even, uh, than if you don't watch it and then eat cheeseburger. So I think, I think that's where it comes back to we are kind of made to wear these blindfolds mm-hmm. so we can consume the, the food without knowing how it came to be, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that is slightly different than sort of trying to logic someone or mm-hmm. yeah. reason someone into change, yeah. right? Um, because I think a lot of people don't, like, don't want to be told what the, to do or what they should do, yeah. right? But I think people are open to getting more information, mm-hmm. um, yeah. more open to getting more information. No? Well, I mean... <laughs> Like right now, I've I've told people to watch that documentary, right, or watch anything with Earthling, Earthling Ed, or to, to 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 see the slaughter videos. But people say no, that'll put me off my meal, and that's a that's a strange thing to to say, and then eat the same meal. It's like how do you how do you go about saying I don't want to watch this, but I'm still gonna eat the food uh, I, I'm not putting in words correctly but I don't know no I think I get what you're saying it's just like a they somehow subconsciously know what mm. they're doing is bad well, and I think when they don't want to watch this because it will confirm that they're making a choice that they would under those circumstances mm-hmm. would would say to themselves, "Oh, this is where this comes from." Yeah. I don't but like that. There, there's some of that, and like to bring it back into, yeah, I, I totally agree. And but also to bring it back to the therapy piece, like for people to make change, mm-hmm. like I think it, there's a relational component, and I think the compelling way to possibly convert people is you have to build like relationships that feel really safe Mm -hmm. for the person that you're trying to convert and then the person has to feel really safe when you're offering new information and i think a lot of veganism there's a a more shame shame yeah Yeah. it's it's a more aggressive route and that's not to say i'm i know that people will say like vegans are aggressive but i think and, and this is this is this is true across um Across the board, what I think a lot of change, like people have to feel good about themselves and safe in the relationship and not judge. And then I think you can offer more perspective and information, right? Um, but yeah, like feeling, feeling sort of pushed and feeling like trapped into a corner of like, well, if you don't do this, mm-hmm. then you're bad, mm-hmm. right? People then get defensive. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're like, well, then I'm just not going to do it. Right, so I think that there is that aspect of things. Uh, no, no, that's that's a fair point. Um, it's so, not a critique of veganism sure, or sure. converting people to veganism. I, I think, but I just, I think that's just maybe me thinking through my experience of even in just this podcast feeling pushed to be convinced to do something. It's a strange argument, though, because it's almost like they're not fully on board with even their impetus on as to why they eat animal products but they're defensive defensive about it welcome to human beings (laughs) 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 that is just it's and so you have to be able to live and accept 
that, yeah, people make decisions that are not in accordance with their values all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. Um, but it's the, what's frustrating about the vegan conversation is. Um, fuck, where am I going? Um, say, hypothetically, I had a friend who was like, I feel safe talking about this, right? And they wanted information. Say I were to present that video, I don't know how many people would actually want to see the video and see the see what's happening, right? So that's the information provided, but they don't want to see it, you know, willingly. Yeah, well, I think that also makes sense because it's like comfortable to maintain your own ways and not know. And I think plenty of people feel comfortable in that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's moral or right, but like, again... Like, people like to believe that they would, like, not go along with, you know, a Nazi regime. But lots of people would be like, well, that I don't want to do that. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, I'm just going to go with the flow here and mm -hmm. just keep doing what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and, yeah, so I think that is part of it. Yeah. And, and I'm only have, trying to have this discussion because I think, like, you know, this can be applied to other things. Um, you know, veganism, you know, if we think about these things and try and figure out mechanisms for change on a societal level, you know, it could be applied to veganism among other ways of changing things for the better and making things better for people. Well, I think with the ethical argument of um, reducing suffering in a utilitarian sense, that's kind of what ends up becoming the main point, just reducing some type of suffering all around or finding a different way to do that, not just, you know, um, reducing or abstaining from animal products, but, you know, energy production, housing, yeah. conservation, cars. I mean, it can go on and on yeah. to, you know, how you interact with the world or and like, other yeah. people. Even if you think about meat as an addiction, right? Like, thinking about, like, working with people who, you know, have issues with using substances or alcohol, like, most people who consider themselves alcoholics, like, initially, it was much more palatable for them to, like, reduce and reduce harm and figure out ways to, like, in their minds, at the beginning of their journey, they're like, well, how can I make my alcohol use more sustainable, but, you know, causing less suffering for people in my life, whatever, like, they need to take those steps, right, try it out, put a foot in the water, right, and I think, you know, that, that may be a pathway. Like, I feel much less defensive around, you know, the arguments for, like, sustainable meat consumption even if it's not practical which i think you know yeah, the metaphor just, of the yeah. alcoholic actually resonates with that because for most of those people eventually at some point they go okay i just can't fucking do this anymore mm -hmm. you know but i don't know those are just some of my thoughts i do want to go back to the so the so the um nazi scenario um i i think is not the one that I would use because, you know, sometimes it was out of necessity, right? They would be killed if they didn't join. That's true. But I like to think of, uh, this is probably going to trigger a little bit, but imagine you were back in the slavery times, right? Where owning a slave wasn't necessary, but 
it was convenient and it was profitable um, to produce cotton and all that shit. If you were back in the slavery times, would you own a slave if it was culturally accepted, it was profitable, but it wasn't morally accept uh, acceptable theoretically? I argue most people would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I think most people and, would. And in fact, and we to like, that, and to that point, I mean, even like people will just say that's what people did back then. Yeah. It's like no, but there were also abolitionists back then. Yeah. So there were still people at that point saying, "Wait." I don't like this, yeah. even though it was, you know, fashionable at the time to not kind of bat an eye at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, as I'm trying to be a realist, I would like to say that I wouldn't, but like, you don't know, mm -hmm. right? And with being presented with the benefits and wealth of owning slaves, I think most people... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm rationally again would be like well this benefits me and that's what matters mm -hmm. right and i think getting buy-in on something like this like you have to you know focus more on the the, the societal benefits and the planetary benefits than mm -hmm. like the individual gratification mm -hmm. because i think most people feel pretty gratified doing immoral things at times too mm -hmm. like there's a lot of people who feel emotionally gratified by eating meat even if they know it's bad. And there's a lot of people who feel emotionally gratified by, you know, giving someone the finger in their car. You know what I mean? Like, they're, you know, so it's like, it takes, I think, a, a, a special type of, it, it takes a, a certain rigidity and for people to really stick to these things in our current culture and society based on how it's set up. The then let me ask you, do you think eating meat and dairy the way it's produced today is morally permissible? No, so I wouldn't say, based on what we've talked about tonight in our discussion, I don't think it's morally permissible. Mm -hmm. so then are you okay living with a, doing something morally impermissible every day? I don't, don't want to attack you, but... But, well... Yeah, I, would, I, would, I guess I would have to say yes. Mm -hmm. But I think most people would argue that it's not immoral. But like I, you ha I, I feel like I spend a lot of time sitting in the gray, mm -hmm. accepting that people are chaotic beings who do things, some things that are moral and some things that are immoral. So then you would own slaves is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But again, I think it goes back to the argument where you're, Putting someone in a corner. Yes. Yeah. Even Being with the, like, even, I was, even yeah, with I the argument about the gray, I don't think all those things in the gray are comparable. I mean, it, again, I go, go go back to the grocery store example. It's much easier to make that choice as a consumer mm -hmm. than it is to change the political machinery of the country, mm -hmm. you know, singularly by yourself. No one's asking you to join the Animal Liberation Front or the Environment Earth Liberation mm -hmm. Front or anything yeah. to you know bomb you know factory farms or mm -hmm. anything. I mean, you guys are arguing with me, and I'm just telling you this is why this movement mm -hmm. is. And wrong. I'm just I saying that gray area has yeah. uh, you know, a variance in terms of yeah. what those choices could be. Yeah, I, I appreciate you being the devil's advocate and the face for the meat, but. Um, 
Well, I don't even feel like I'm being the face for the meat. I'm trying to understand the psyche of mm-hmm. why people continue to do it by exploring my own resistance. To mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do it in a sort of open, humble way. You know, I think like, you explained you know, it pretty well. Most people are not consciously yeah. making choices every day. There's, they're making so many choices without... Uh, I mean, myself included. You just do things yeah. because you do things. You're, you're not. Yeah, it's easy, you're yeah. not. You know, yeah. make, make, like partaking in introspection of every action you take. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you would go to work. You wouldn't yeah, be able exactly. to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. so you, you would just like I. I can't. You know, go in the woods and meditate and try to figure out all mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, um, what, where the and call? it's an, it's very overwhelming at times. Yeah. Like there's so much. You know. Especially when you're uh, presented with the um, the onus putting on you of trying to prevent suffering, mm-hmm. you know, you have to look at every action that almost feels like, and you know, is this thing going down the line or up? You know, is this you know inflicting suffering somewhere? Mm-hmm. You you almost you know you have to watch your step, making sure you're not stepping on bugs or anything. Like, I feel like that turns people off somehow but yeah. i feel like you can still make choices and sure it's not going to be ide- ideologically rigid but it still has net benefits that came to mind for me too but i found my as soon as i find myself making a slippery slope argument it's, which are the arguments that i probably hate the most about mm-hmm. anything that actually having that insight i was like okay Maybe I need to look more into veganism because anytime I'm presented with a slippery slope argument, it annoys the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. So, I no, I get what you're saying. Like it's hard to figure out what you know. Child miner had to mine the battery for my phone, or where mm-hmm. the car came from, or where the you know what corrupt means that the gasoline that I put in my car came from. But at the end of the day, it's about the harm reduction, right? So if you can reduce the amount of dairy or the meat that you consume in a weekly basis it helps and the catch-22 is the more times that we buy vegan alternatives and things like that the more that they become fruitful in the grocery store the bigger the selection becomes so it's yeah it's a catch-22 the more you do it then the more then the easier it becomes for everybody to jump on board Mm. okay yeah well, I think this has been a pretty robust discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I appreciate um, everybody's openness to these ideas. Yeah, thank you for taking the brunt of the of the criticism. Oh no, that's fine. I I yeah, it's it's something I'll look into. Mm-hmm. But like, if I'm being honest, I still have some resistance to it. That is probably irrational. Yeah, um, but it is something I'll look into, and I'll try this death cube or whatever huh. sounds really enjoyable <laughs> check, out the, check out the dominion on youtube but before we go i wanted to put in a monetary incentive plan for any listeners or anybody here right so i am willing to give a hundred bucks to the first five people that watch the entirety of the youtube dominion free on youtube 100 bucks in your pocket no questions asked 200 bucks to the first five people that read or listen to the Earthling Ed or mm-hmm. Ed Winter's Veganism or Vegan Propaganda, which is a book. And then $1,000 for the first five people who eat vegan for the entire year. 
but with no cheating, no exceptions. The only exception is mistakenly or unconsciously eating meat or dairy. And then five bucks for the first ten people that watch watch Earthling Ed's TED Talk on YouTube. Fifteen minute YouTube. Five bucks in your pocket. Forget about it. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, I'll be vegan. No. There we go. We win. Honestly, though, honestly, though, like I think that is actually a really interesting way to end things because I think if you offered pe- people money to That's be vegan, I mean. yeah. mad people would do it. But it shouldn't be yeah. you offering people money. I, I mean, I think it's an investment, right? I think it's money well spent. If anybody even does it, uh, I tried it once on Facebook. Zero. zero what? People. Yeah. It was like, uh... You're a noble guy, Mr. Tinker. No, I don't think so. It right. wasn't... <laughs> I appreciate how much you, um... Your, your, uh, commitment. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. This is a blast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, um... Yeah, I think we'll, we'll have to figure out what our next episode is, but I think this will be a good one. Agreed. Huh? Triple Closing thoughts? no... Telling what I'm feeling beyond, hey, hey, I'm beyond all that fuck shit, hey. Mama, would you like to be my sunshine? Nigga, touch my game, we gon' turn this shit to Columbine. Ice on my neck, cost me ten times three. Thirty thousand dollars for a nigga to get free. I just.